What is up? Welcome to Culture FC, the weekly soccer show that's not really all that much about soccer. We cover lifestyle, fashion, music, politics, culture, all the things surrounding the beautiful game, just none of the results happening on the pitch. My name is Louie. My name's Aggie. I'm Brendan. And we are back from a two-week break while I was in Spain. Keep listening to this episode. I dove into what I was doing away, the, the games I got to experience in Spain, and all the cool stuff that I got to see. So stay tuned for that. On top of that, we also covered the MLS getting to 30 teams and potentially beyond. We talked about the implications of what that would mean for soccer in the States and really dove into the rapid expansion of the MLS here in North America. As always, if you enjoy this episode, please leave us a honest review on your favorite podcasting app. We are always trying to get better and we need your feedback to do so. So please, if you think we suck, tell us we suck. If you think we're good, let us know. We really, really appreciate it. You can follow us on all of our socials at Trouble Soccer and we have just launched our redesigned website at treblesoccer.com. We are now going to be blogging very frequently, so you will be able to get even more of our insight and our things about the beautiful game on our website directly. So go check that out. Let us know what you think. A shout out to you guys for tuning back into this episode. I know we were gone for two weeks and people hate that. They like consistency. So thanks for coming out and checking us out one more time. And if you like this episode, share it with a friend. Uh, just help us spread our message. Help us spread our podcast. It would mean the world to us. Um, and yeah, enough of my rambling. Let's jump into this week's episode. It's a really fun one. We talked a whole bunch of topics and really, really try to dive deep into it. I think you're going to enjoy it. Right, well, two week break, and we are back with another episode. Everybody, uh, before we dive into this week's main topic, I really just wanted to, for those of you guys who probably who missed why we were gone for two weeks or uh, weren't really sure, I've been in Spain, or I was in Spain. I've been in Spain. Your heart is probably still in Spain a little bit. Body's here. Body's here. Body's there. Was in Spain there. for about two weeks, um, and kind of want to start off, start this off by kind of telling you guys a little bit about my time in Spain because I did get to experience some really cool stuff that I think you guys would enjoy uh, hearing about. So um, prior to going to Spain, I had been wanting to, um, I had marked it on my calendar that I wanted to go to a Real Betis Sevilla game because by all accounts, it's like one of the biggest derbies in all of uh, Spain. It's sometimes some people even consider it like a little bit bigger than uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid, mostly because it just kind of means more. Because Real Madrid and Barcelona, they're just kind of like, all right, the two best teams in Spain, great, yeah, awesome. Right. But with Sevilla and Real Betis, they actually it's the only real derby in Spain because it's the same city. Versus Real Madrid and Barcelona are separated by a lot of land. Um, so. But I had been looking for weeks. I, every couple of days, I was checking for these tickets. I was like, oh my god, as soon as they go on sale, I'm going to buy these tickets. Well, you got to realize, right? Like, I'm not a supporter <laughs> of either of these clubs. I'm not one of their season ticket holders. I don't have the emails coming to me every single week. <laughs> I It was getting to a point where I was like, all right, cool. It's three weeks before the game that they released the tickets. It was a Friday, and I had to go to work. And unfortunately, by the time I went to work and came home, it was only a span of like eight hours, the tickets launched, sold out completely, and I could not get a single ticket for this Jeez. game because wow. we were going to be in Sevilla for, for the weekend of this game. It was actually the only reason my girlfriend and I wanted to go to Sevilla <laughs> because we were, like, we were like, let's go see Sevilla because it's a really cool city and my girlfriend hadn't been yet. Um, and then I also was like, well, Sevilla and Rob Betis are playing. It's an excuse to right, go to right. a game. It was really, it's really cool. It's a win-win for all. Everybody was going to be happy. Yeah. Unfortunately, like I said, it sold out completely within maybe a couple of minutes. And then I kept looking at resale tickets, nothing. No one was reselling their ticket because 
clearly this game means a lot to the people yeah. of the city. So yeah. we're like, my God, okay, cool. And I told her, and so I told her, I was like, you know what we'll do? When we get to Sevilla, we'll see if like we can maybe buy last minute tickets. We'll go to the stadium, see whatever. So anyway, day of the game, uh, it was a Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but day of the game, I was like, you know what? Even if we don't go to the game, let's go near the stadium so we can get like feel the vibe of the people and the supporters mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh-huh. So what's really cool about Sevilla's stadium is that it's like in a really nice area and there's a really big mall right next to it. So there's like a lot of some good amount of stuff going on around it. And their stadium is beautiful. So my girlfriend and I like kind of walk around seeing a bunch of people going, getting ready to go to the game. This was probably like two and a half hours, three hours before the game. Uh, and we just see a bunch of people kind of going everywhere. And we were like, you know what, let's go see what's going on. And we like trying to look for the ticket window to see if we could buy a ticket or see yeah. whatever. And we're like walking around the stadium and we hear chanting and we like started to hear like like a lot of like singing and we're like wow like whatever so we followed this noise and we followed it for like two or three blocks from from this from the stadium and from the mall and it kept getting louder and we're walking down the street where it's getting louder it's getting louder all of a sudden we see the CVFC team bus in front of a hotel and it's only like a block or two away from the stadium in front of the bus there had started to gather a small crowd of supporters this was like i said probably two to three hours before the game yep and i was like no no we're going to hang out here. Like we were, we're going to hang out here. Yeah. And so, um, we stuck around for a little bit and people started singing more and more people started to show up and people started singing more and, uh, just joining this mass of people. And it kept growing and kept growing soon. It was probably taking up like the entire street. First of all, the street was already closed because they knew that the, right, the, yeah, the traffic yeah. going through there. Yeah. There was no traffic going through cause it was the team bus. They needed to get to the stadium. Um, and at first it was a small crowd. It started to grow, started to grow, started to grow the street for probably like the length of three blocks, four blocks was just packed like sardines with people. Wow. We, I was standing on a park bench trying to see a little bit further up. And actually by the time this episode comes out and you guys are listening to it, you at home, I'm speaking to, uh, check out our website, troublesoccer.com. I will be posting a blog with the video that I took of this whole thing. So if you want to check out what it was like, uh, it'll be on our blog as of right now, if you're listening to it, um, and enjoy our brand new redesigned website. We will be blogging a little bit more. Each of us are going to, you know, put a couple articles out every week. Uh, so, yeah, check that out. Let us know what you think. And, yeah, enjoy that video. But, basically, it was insane, man. It was people... And then flare started going off. And mind you, this is <laughs> this is middle of the day in April in the south of Spain where it was... What time was it in the day, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, so, the game was at 7. It was like 4 o'clock, 4.30. Oh. So, bright sunshine. Yeah. what was the temperature i love it it was like close to 70 like it was a warm day (sighs) oh nice and it was just all of a sudden flares go off and you're like oh cool it's just you know a couple red flares here and there and then all of a sudden by towards like the closer it got to the the bus leaving the more people got there all of a sudden everybody had flares and all of a sudden there was smoke everywhere and it was middle of the day and i you have to watch this video because like I said, it was bright sunlight, middle of the day. Were you spooked a little? A little bit. I told Sarah we had to move back because people were crazy. Like, no, you like, should have moved in. Like, hey, you got a spare flare? Oh, I, dude, I wanted to. If I was with my girlfriend, I'd be all up in there. But then my girlfriend, <laughs> oh, I moved fair, back because I wanted to make sure fair. we were good. Yep. They, were, they were pretty drunk people, too. So yeah. I wanted to make sure we were in a safe I'd move spot. Yeah. Fuck back, dude. No, that yeah, makes sense. Like, Sarah's, Sarah's about that life. Trust me. She she gives her all to the soccer she fandom. Really, w- she does. She gives her all. <laughs> I, I give her full credit. Sarah, if you listen to this, I give you full credit because... Cause you give her all, but we don't. We don't need her in the middle of a mob. You know Absolutely, I mean? <laughs> and I give her total credit because she was so about doing this. Like she yeah. was when I told her that we didn't have tickets to the game. She was more upset than I was. She's like, "What the fuck? We were gonna go. Like we were gonna take me to my first football match, whatever." And so we were really upset. But anyway, 
And so the flares start going off. Middle of the day, all of a sudden, it's a cloud of smoke coming above this mob, and you cannot see the sunshine. All you can see is the the beginning. You can start to see the bare outline of the bus, and then shortly thereafter, you'll, you'll if you look at the video, you'll see the yeah. bus is covered. You cannot see the bus. All you see is a massive cloud of smoke, a gargantuan mob of people around this bus jumping, singing. It is the loudest thing I have ever experienced, and I had goosebumps. I'm getting goosebumps right now talking about it because it was just like. Wow. The most insane thing that I've ever seen for a supporter group do. Like, it opened my eyes and shocked me to, like, I, I was so happy that we even got to experience just that because I knew this game meant so much. Like, I had seen so many videos and yeah. articles about this game. And then you get there and you watch what it means to these people, what it means to support their club on a day like today. Like, don't get me wrong. Uh, where both of these clubs are in the standings this year, it's it's interesting. Sevilla is usually one of the best teams yeah. in the Europa League. They've yeah. won they've won five out of the last ten Europa Leagues. They're a successful, successful European side. They're currently sitting, I believe, just outside of the Champions League spot. And Betis is like eighth or ninth. I don't I don't recall. But in other words, the season's winding down. They they it yeah. did matter for the points, but it was it was more about the the rivalry of itself. And yeah. It was insane, man. And the bus started moving and people just followed the bus all the way to the stadium. And at this point, I look at Sarah, I was like, that was incredible. That was amazing. And then I was like, let's go. Let's go find a bar to watch the game at. Yeah. From our walk from the stadium to where we were staying, we tried. We must have stopped at every single bar that had a TV. Not a single one had an open seat. There was nowhere wow. for us to wow. sit. And this was five o'clock. The game yeah. was at seven. There was no open sea. And also, this did coincide with uh, the, the Holy Week in Spain, which is a massive thing for them. Uh, um, right, so right. it was like everybody was in the center of Sevilla. It, it, was, it was incredible. But anyway, we finally find this one bar that had a table with no chairs. And, we were, and it was right under a TV. So like we were like croning our necks back to watch it. But we sat at this bar, and it was such a good vibe inside of a tiny little bar. It, it, was, it was amazing. Like, there were like... There were both sets of fans in the, in this bar, uh-huh. and like it was just so cool to get to experience it. Even if it was just from a bar, you know, in the downtown of the city where it wasn't even near the stadium, but just watching that game when it was on TV with a group of people that cared so much about it was yeah. awesome. That's awesome. And like there were, I remember we were standing next to these like three little kids, probably like six, seven, eight years old. Like they're tiny little kids. All of them just like glued to the TV screen in this little pub, and we're just like. It was it was so great, and then like every goal was this loud, massive cheer. Like, oh, really? it was so awesome. What what was the final? I don't even recall, man. I was I was having such a good time experiencing everything. <laughs> I don't even remember. I, I, he, he just turned into a fan of the. But you the game did for the go. Day. You did. You did go to a physical game of who do you go? What game did you go to? So we ended up going. Oh, sorry. Sevilla did beat Real Betis three to two. It was a very Ooh, good back and forth game. game. Ooh, very good. Game. Yeah. Um, but the because we didn't get to go to this game. We were like, you know what? We still need to go to a game. Uh, so my girlfriend lives in Madrid. And so we were like, okay, well, we're in Madrid. Who's playing on one of the weekends that we'll be in Madrid? Because we were traveling for a week, but we were going to be in Madrid for, for like yep. one of the weekends. Luckily, Real Madrid were playing uh, Athletic Bilbao on the weekend that we came back from our week-long trip. That's and a pretty good game, too, actually. Really good game. Yeah. And so we bought tickets. Yep. Pretty cheap, actually. 45 euro. Phenomenal seats. That's not bad. But the best part about it was where our seats were and what happened so side note and i want to comment about on it a little bit later i feel like in america at least i, I said this tag a couple a couple of days ago when we were talking 
we you have this kind of notion of like stadiums because we have yeah. we have experience of like NFL stadiums and how yeah. big and beautiful yeah. and modern they are with these giant plasma screens uh-huh. and all of the greatest uh, uh, amenities, like all of the greatest stuff. It's all clean, beautiful. Real Madrid Stadium, the Bernabeu, it's pretty old. Like it, like we you got to remember that these clubs in Europe they've been around for over a hundred years. Uh, yeah. The Bernabeu is very old. It's a little dated. I'm not gonna lie. It's oh, still a beautiful sure, stadium, sure. but like I remember like just. Like going in, going up the stairs, and it was just like seeing like parts that they tried to add to make it modern and new. But because they are always doing stuff there, like they can't close it down and renovate. No, but right. it did explain why Real Madrid wants to do the big renovation project that they've been talking right, they, about. They have a huge stadium coming, pretty much. Yeah, they want to. They're going to enclose the roof, make a retractable right, right. roof, put a bunch of new amenities in. But it was just kind of weird because you're like, oh my god, this is a a darling of of world football, like Real yep. Madrid, most successful club in Europe over the last. Well, actually, the most successful club in Europe ever, but like yeah. one of the biggest clubs on the planet. And you're realizing that their stadium isn't that great. And you're yep. like, I don't know why it is that that shocked me so much. Because I always just maybe thought like, oh, they have the best facilities. Yeah. Like, Because I've seen videos of their training compound. And, and their training complex looks insane. It's essentially like its own little city. Yeah. Where they have all of the youth levels. The kids live there. Like the people, like the guys when they're training, they have a hotel mm. there basically. I'm pretty sure they call it like Real Madrid City when they were, like refer to it. Pretty sure it is, yeah. Huh. And so when I saw that, I'm thinking, oh, the Bernabeu yeah, is right? going to be this massive thing. The way that, for example, when I went to the Allianz and saw Bayern play a couple years back, the Allianz is a much more new. It's a it's a newer stadium. They yeah. renovated it more. The outside's beautiful. Yeah. They have that 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 the, the outside that changes colors. But even on the inside of the Allianz, it was a little uh, a little bit more dated on the inside. Like some of the the concessions were were okay, whatever. But um, they did it did it was a little dated on the inside, but the outside was beautiful. The Bernabeu, I just, I don't know why I expected it to just be so much more modern than it wasn't. No, I'm with you. I would expect the same thing. Like, yeah, no, you think I agree. Of, you think of the Bernabeu, the Bernabeu, and you think of like play, like it's everyone's dream to play there. Obviously, I mean, you just you have your mindset, like mindset, it's like a like a mecca of football. Yeah, it's like a like, palace. Yeah, but and so but, hearing that's funny. But here's the weirdest part: I felt like it was a real stadium. It didn't feel glossy. It okay. didn't feel okay. That's good. It didn't feel contrived where they were like where sometimes you have like. I'm not not to call it the MLS teams, but to call it some MLS teams, like they have some stuff that they implement to try and be a little gimmicky to try to bring people in, which I actually like because they are trying new things. Yeah. But at the same time, like this was a pure footballing ground. The you had you know the 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 seats, but you also had the railings right in front of them where they because before they were forced to implement seats, a lot of the terraces in European stadiums were literally just bars where people could stand and there was nowhere to sit. Yep. So then when they forced everybody to install seats or whatever, like that's kind of there, but it felt like a real footballing ground. So, okay, back to when we're going up the stadium or into the stadium. As we're getting in, going through security, the Athletic Bilbao supporters are singing right behind us. Oh, boy. And it's loud and they are going nuts and they're singing. Do you have any like... Madrid stuff on? No, I told I told Sarah I was like, let's go neutral because I don't know where we're sitting. I don't. Yeah, I'm, I just let's just be point. neutral. And she, well, she had a Real Madrid scarf because she was just like, I need. That's she fair. was cold, so we got a scarf. Yeah, whatever. Okay. I I went neutral. Whatever. We were just like, let's go. Uh, let's just go enjoy it. So where we were where we were sitting. Um, what's really cool is that like you know people have season tickets, but in between people who have season ticket seats. There are random general uh, admittance tickets that are sold by the club, but they're right next to someone who has a season ticket. And so we were sitting next to a bunch of Real Madrid season ticket uh, holders, but then the section directly above us in the far back in the terrace was the away support. And so that's where all of the Athletic Bilbao supporters were were corralled. It was amazing. And 
we didn't know this, but when when you have this, the away uh, section, you only have a specific number of seats or whatever, but because you know where the section is, the other people who want to come, they can buy tickets near that uh, section. So yeah. near us, there were other Athletic Bilbao supporters kind of sprinkled about within the the uh, Real Madrid supporter, like season ticket holders. So it was a really cool mix. But directly behind us, we had the Athletic Bilbao supporters singing the entire game wow. from start to finish. And what's really interesting about Athletic Bilbao and actually the whole area of Spain that's called the Basque Country, um, we talked about this months and months and months ago on the Barcelona episode with my last trip to Spain <laughs> about how the reason the 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 El Clasico is so important is that you know Barcelona were seen as these like rebels back during like Franco's era and we talked about how, what it meant to be like a, a Catalan nationalist and how they want to separate themselves from Spain. The other region of Spain that wants to separate itself from Spain is the Basque country, Basque region, where Athletic Bilbao is from. Mm-hmm. And they have their own language. They don't. They speak Spanish, but they also have Basque, which everybody, I guess, actually speaks fluently there, which is really wow. cool. Um, huh. So what I didn't realize that we stumbled into was this game means so much to Basque supporters because, yeah. you know, it's essentially like what soccer becomes. It becomes a stage where like a pseudo war gets played out, right? Like you have the the club from the area of the country that wants to separate itself from the club that represents the entirety of Spain. As much as you want to look at it, Real Madrid represents the idea of a Spain, a united Spain, and they've always kind of been that. So then all of a sudden I start connecting things in my head. I'm like, this is going to be insane. These guys are going to be singing the entire game nonstop. And they were. And I actually, I'm going to post videos on the blog as well. Check that out. Awesome. I, yeah, make sure to check that out. You're going to want to see that. I did a, uh, I did a, on my personal Instagram, I had my stories going. It was, uh, it was awesome, dude. People were, it was loud. It was crazy. Uh, unfortunately for the Athletic Bilbao supporters, they lost 3 nothing, And Kareem Benzema scored a hat trick, which was amazing to watch. Yeah. I will say that was really That's cool. Be cool. Um, but it was actually a really good game being played on the field. Like both teams were doing really, really well. I thought Bilbao were defending really well and hitting them on the break, but they didn't get to whatever. They couldn't score. But anyway, it was really interesting to see. And like, it's just so different, man. It's such a different world being from America and like going to see what it really means to like support a club. Like I got the, the awesome opportunity to go witness how two different clubs supporters get to get behind their club and, and, and really sing like the athletic Bilbao supporters for the entire game, even when they were losing, wouldn't stop singing at huh. full time. That's awesome. It was 90 That's minutes. They, cool. they were down three, nothing. They were singing, they were supporting their club and they were, it meant you could tell that it meant so much to them. And it was just this amazing thing to get to witness firsthand. So does that make you yearn for something to grasp like that locally? Absolutely, but it'll never. I mean, I, I doubt that anything in America will ever, in soccer, will ever get to that point. At least not within the next fifteen, twenty years, because no, yeah. these clubs have have so much history that they can build upon. Not just from a footballing standpoint, but from a political standpoint, from a societal standpoint. You know, they like the Basque people. They have so much to hate Real Madrid for. Not just because they're one of the best teams in the world, but because of yeah. what they represent as a club that mm. has been so connected to the Spanish identity that they like, and not only that, even as a fan base, like like you said, they spent the whole game singing. You had ninety minutes down through singing, and Real Madrid traditionally is a pretty spoiled fan base. You know Absolutely, I mean? <laughs> they love they love to chirp their own players. They love to do all that stuff. So you're sitting there yelling for your team down 3-0 90 minutes in, knowing that these guys have an embarrassment of riches and they're kind of stuck up about it. So I've talked about this. I don't know if I ever talked about it on record, uh, but it has always baffled me that Real Madrid supporters boo Gareth Bale Mm. because of what he's done for them. 
and I was in the stadium and Gareth Bale came on and there were people booing him and I'm like sitting there going I, this is ridiculous that, so I actually spoke to like a, the some guy I work with who like supports Real Madrid and I asked him I was like why like why are you guys so like snobby because he's not Spanish that so that was part of what he said he also said like another big thing to them is that like players who don't fight for the badge to them just aren't worth it basically if they yeah, don't if they feel like you're walking that. you're lazy. You could score, like I said, you could score a hat trick, but if you're not fighting for that shirt, for that badge, you think we don't want you out there representing. Yeah, right. You, yeah, could, but you could, a, you could knock but, in a dope bike in yeah. the Champions League I mean, final. And th- and these are the same guys who, at one point, were whistling and, and booing Cristiano Ronaldo. Like, yeah, for for what reason? <laughs> but so my question is, does that not? Shouldn't that change when a player has won you two Champions Leagues? Yep. Gareth Bale has been the difference in two Champions League finals for Real mm-hmm. Madrid. And don't don't forget that 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 Copa del Rey goal where he absolutely embarrassed with Mark Bartra. Yep, you got to give credit for yep. that, yeah. Yeah. So it's that still, was a weird it's thing. It's not enough. It's not enough to them. And you, you could bring them everything they want. If the next year you have an off year, they will turn on you in an instant. They yep. are one of the most fickle fan bases. They yeah. really are. Yeah. Um, but it, it's it was really interesting to see. To see uh, yeah, that's uh, awesome. boo Gareth Bale. It was really weird. I'm glad you got to experience that that kind of culture. That we only can dream of, dude. And I, I said it to, I said it to Sarah, my girlfriend, as as we were leaving. I was like, if I lived in a city that had a, a stadium downtown like that, I would be there every single Saturday and Sunday, man. Mm-hmm. It was the most. Yeah, I was gonna enjoyable. say, like, what are you gonna leave us and go go Euro? <laughs> no, nah, I don't. Go I can't Euro. do that. But, um, but no, I'm being honest. Just like, there's nothing better to me for me than to just like on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon. Like this was Easter Sunday. The, the stadium wasn't as packed as it should have been yeah. because it was Easter Sunday. But right. it was also like, and don't get me wrong, it was full, but it wasn't like packed to the britches as it, as it might have been. Um, but I just think about it. I'm like, dude, on a Sunday afternoon, you're going to go spend three hours doing something? Like yeah. there's nothing better to, than like, you know, going to a stadium and, and just watching a team play. I don't I don't care who won. I didn't care who won or lost. I was just there to yeah. watch a good game. Luckily, I got to a lot of really cool experiences out of it. You know, watching Kareem Benzema score a hat trick, watching the Athletic Bilbao supporters do what they did. And That's then true. It was so cool to me. How far was the stadium compared to where you were staying? So, uh... The the stadium's in the city, like it's it, we can. So Sarah and I took the metro. It was a couple stops, like from where she lives. It's not super far. It was probably That's like a awesome. twenty minute metro ride, uh, subway ride. Sorry to to the stadium, um, but I, I guess that in America it's different to find. Like you can't necessarily always find those downtown like spots to build no. stadiums. Yeah. We, if you follow the MLS, you know that it's an, it's a problem. And why like New York City FC haven't found a spot. The Revs have been supposedly looking for years. Yeah. Um, but. One thing that that Sarah and I were talking about as we're leaving the stadium that I found fascinating was she mentioned to me she goes, "It's kind of weird though. We're leaving right now, and it feels like the the time is over. The energy is over. Like the game started, finished, and ended, and everybody's kind of going home." She made it something that I guess it didn't resonate as much at the time, but I kept thinking about it after. Here in the states, we do have a unique sports culture, though. So, for example, if you go to a Sox game. You might go to Fenway and start pre-gaming the game. You know what yep, I mean? Yep. You might go to, you know, uh, Cast and Flag, and you might go to all Lansdown, of those bars those places, on, on Lansdowne, yeah. the Lansdowne Pub, all these places you could go to to pre-game a game. And once the game's over, you still hang out at Fenway. It's that it's almost like, not necessarily tailgate, because that's like, you know, you have those bars near Fenway. Yeah, yeah. But even when you start to think about it in terms of like a tailgate, right? Like... Even Atlanta United, they tailgate their games the way that people do for football games. Like yeah. They yeah. go and have cookouts in the parking lot. 
And that's something that is unique to the states that I think no, could be really is. cool. Because even think about when we went for like the like the NBC like fan zone and all that. Yep. People got there early, pre-in the games and everything. It was a little early in the morning, so. But no, like you're saying, that even for even yeah, for the yeah, fan yeah. zone, they people did come in pre-game and like hang out, hung like, out right at the afterwards. Bars, exactly. Like, because what is very interesting is that they do not they do not sell alcohol in stadiums in Spain. They are not allowed to. Oh, it is I a law, right? And so wow. I also thought we would find more bars outside of the stadium. Yeah, yeah, not really. Really. So, so where the really? Bernabeu is, it's kind of near the financial area. Okay. I, from what I could guess, like a lot of big skyscrapers with like yep. big uh, logos on it. It's still an, it's a very accessible area. Yep. It's just not the most like fun hip like let's go drink kind of area. Gotcha. But even so, there was like one bar near there that was kind of full, and I feel like you know. It, it was it was a weird vibe. It was an interesting vibe. I'm sure people were still drinking, but I, I guess you also have to realize that Europeans don't drink to get cocked like we do in the states. Like that's a good point. In the states, we drink to get <laughs> fucked up pretty much all the time. Yep. That's just kind of what yeah, Americans really, are known we really for. Really go for it, right? So, but in Spain, so the people are a little bit more moderate. But it's interesting that like here in the states, you see a stadium pop up, like Gillette Stadium. You have this whole complex built right next to it, Pat's place, where there's bars, restaurants, places to hang out, or whatever. It's more of an event, whereas like, you know, in Europe, it's the game's the game. It's important. That's the whole purpose of you going. And I guess there's a fine line of like how, when does it become too much of an event and not enough of a sport where it's like, we're going to build up this whole day of like, you know, I think about like when you go to an NBA game, sometimes there's so much more going on than just the game. Like there's the, the like mid, like midway through the game, like at halftime, they have like the kids playing basketball or there's like those contests and like. It become it's like that thing of like is the sport the sport or is the sport more entertainment the way that we treat it True. in the yeah. states. But long story short, trying to kind of recap what I'm what my whole thought process, my whole point was is it is different when you know you you don't really tailgate a game or you don't like spend your whole day doing that. A lot of these people they probably went to church in the morning, went to church, did their thing, went to the game, and then went home at like seven. You know yeah. what I mean? Like the game was at four. They were they were done by seven. They went home, had dinner, That's whatever. True. They went to bed. Yeah, Good. Yeah. So. But then I think about it and I'm like, you know, we do have something unique here in the States where where you do you have the ability to tailgate and, and that is part of a prominent part of our culture when it comes to enjoying sports. So I don't know. I just think that there is something to be maybe not learned there, but maybe adapted for soccer here in America. Like, I think we should tailgate. Like, that's fun. Like, that's part of going to a I game. Agree. I agree. Yeah, but then I guess is the way we're fighting for like a stadium in the city with tailgating, that'd be harder to do then, no? Right, because if there's a parking lot or there isn't a parking lot. But if it's in a downtown area, most likely you look at Fenway. They That's they true. don't really you don't really tailgate at Fenway because they don't no. have a parking lot. But you go to all those bars near Fenway. That's true. So you That's know fair. depending on yeah, where you're true, at, true. like yeah. I do like that aspect of, you know, tailgating it's a fun time like it's a really fun time yeah you know what i mean like you get to hang out like even when we've done it from when we've gotten a couple revs games egg and i like we just hang out we play like footy in the parking lot Mm -hmm. we played like uh like foot like tennis like soccer tennis like oh that's uh, always fun or soccer volleyball sorry yeah so like you hang out you drink a little bit you don't have to get fucked up the way that people last time i went to a game there was like a 10 year old kid that that tried to challenge me try to meg me (laughs) see ya that kid had a bad day and so, I don't know, I just thought that was something that kind of, that, that like, kind of dawned on me, like, damn, that is kind of cool. And I feel like it's something that is missing a little bit in Europe. And yeah. I understand why they don't do it in Europe. There's a lot of reasons why people get violent, people are crazy, whatever. But, you know, it is really, it's something that we have the ability to adopt here in the States that could be wholly unique to Americans who enjoy soccer. I think yeah. that that's something that we, as Americans, can bring to the table yeah. globally. 
Yeah. So we're going to chalk this one up to the culture. Hey, we relaxed before the games right outside the stadium really well. You guys should do it too. You should try it out sometime, man. Uh, we make it an all-day affair. But so circling back to the whole stadium thing, something that when I saw Egg earlier in the week, um, we were talking about how when Spurs launched their new stadium recently, yeah, everybody yeah. was talking about how amazing their stadium was, how it was all high tech, right. beautiful. It was funny because I, I looked at specs and like, it, like no offense, it's a great stadium, but like, it didn't blow me away either. You know what I mean? I was kind of like, no, this is a beautiful stadium. I get it, but like the plaudits and the praise they were receiving, I was like, I don't exactly see it. As Americans, for us, it seemed strange that everybody was like, oh my God, Spurs have the best stadium in all of Europe right now. Yeah, it's the most yeah. modern stadium. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, people, it's it's a stadium. Yeah, like, so yeah. like, How it's, great it's can it be? 2019. What I'm seeing here isn't that impressive. But then when I went to the Bernabeu and I thought back to the Allianz, I'm like, I guess it makes kind yeah. of sense that yeah. they're getting so much plot. It's like, if you look at Spurs Stadium, they have a massive, massive, like huge uh, oh, yeah. uh, screen where they do the replays or whatever. The Bernabeu has a tiny one at the top of the stadium that, like, if you're sitting in the lower bowl, you can't see it. I could see it because I was sitting directly across from it, so I could always see the scoreboard, the time, or whatever, whatever. But if you're sitting in the lower bowl, like, it's pretty far. Like, it's up at the roof, basically, and you have to, like, look up. Of course, you're sitting near the action, so you could probably pay more attention to that. Yeah, but still. That's what we started realizing that, like, when... Or I started realizing, like, wow, it must be very hard-pressed to find, like, a beautiful modern stadium. Especially yeah. because it must have cost them so much to build the Bernabeu in the first place. So, for them, it's That's like, true. well, we finally paid yeah. it off, like, 30 years ago. Why are we going to do more? And, and they're in such a busy again. area, like, renovations. And then you just look across the board. These clubs are so old. These stadiums, therefore, are so old, too. Our teams are new. Our All of the history of our sporting events are at most 100 yeah. years yeah. old. Maybe maybe a little bit maybe more. Maybe even but, a little bit less. Uh, yeah. The, but like, for baseball, a little baseball, bit more. For the American football, slightly less. Like, yep. But like overall, like we don't have that kind of age. Right. Sure. And like, us, us, like Boston May sports team, like, we actually compared to most of the other teams in, in the States, at least, like, we don't really have that new thing like Fenway's super. Fenway's super super gar- old, Garden but that's old on old. purpose. Oh, but now. the garden, right, right? But the garden now is it's becoming getting much better. It's getting a lot better. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but still, there's other like most teams within 20 years. I'd say like over 50 percent of teams have gotten new stadiums. You yeah, know what I mean, um, but I just found that very funny because I was like, why are people like gassing up Spurs? New How was the bathroom in the stadium? Oh, it was awful. Was <laughs> did you pee in a trough? <laughs> no, but the dude next to me could have like. Slap my dick from like, you're right next to it, dude. Also, I okay, so this has happened to me twice now when I've gone to games. People yelling in my ear next to me, I get kind of stage fright. You guys at home don't need to know this, but like it happened to me at, at, when I went well, to I get the stage fright all the time. I'm not gonna lie. I'm, no, like, so you're in a line, there's a bunch of men staring at you because they also need to pee and they want yeah. you to hurry up. But then there's also people who are still chanting for the team, even in the bathroom. And I'm trying, I'm trying to pee, <laughs> really? and the dude next to me is yelling. Real, about Real Madrid or Athletic Bilbao, wherever, wherever it was, I was just trying to pee. I was trying to concentrate. Couldn't do it. Happened to me when I was in Germany as well. The dude was just yelling next to me, Bayern, Bayern. I couldn't focus. He broke yeah. my focus. I couldn't do it. He broke my focus. I'm, I'm lucky enough where like, that doesn't happen. If I got to go, boy, I'm going. Let me tell you. See, I, I had to leave and, and then I, I was like, I had to come back later. And then, and then Sarah's like, are you dumb? Like, why did you just do that? I'm like, well, I... I Guy was yelling. You know, scared me. The people behind scared. me staring at yeah. me. Yeah, I was like, I'm I got all hot and sweaty. <laughs> That's why I, I always leave. choose like a very inopportune time to go to the bathroom. It's just like, oh, like something good's gonna happen. Like, oh, if something nice should happen. I'm gonna quickly run to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. see, I'm, I'm like, I get to them big. Like, you want, you want to yell my ear, buddy? Oh, bet. Let's yeah. have this pissing contest too. Like, I'm, I'm going for it. Yeah. Fun fact: <laughs> we had to go to the bathroom twice to go once. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Exactly. 
But all right, guys, that was kind of our my little recap, my self-indulgence about recounting my tales of my travels. Uh, but uh, while I was gone, something interesting happened. That is the main topic of this week's episode. Uh, Major League Soccer announced their plan to expand to a total of 30 teams. And they are basically awarding Sacramento and St. Louis the 28th and 27th MLS, MLS, MLS franchise slots. Uh, and this is very interesting because for a very long time, uh, Don Garber had been pretty adamant that he, they weren't going to expand anymore. They had kind of they had never foreseen getting to 30 teams in such a short amount of time. I feel time. like we've talked about expansion yeah. a little bit in the past and... That's kind of come up. Well, we did one of our earlier episodes. I think it was more prominent topic because I think we were talking about Nashville, yeah. or, or, or uh, one of the other other teams remember. that were by like trying to get franchises, right? And so, all of a sudden, the MLS changed their story, and now they're trying to get to thirty teams. Um, another key point to this is that the fee for joining the MLS for each of these clubs is two hundred million dollars per franchise. Wow, and. If you were to go rewind to 2007, Toronto Football Club paid $10 million to join the MLS in 2007, and here we are, 12 years later, and it is $200 million. Now, I'm not good at math, but that seems like a bit of an increase there. Like a little, a little just bit. Just a too, bit. Just a wee a bit. bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> David Beckham is bringing Inter-Miami to the MLS at a price of $25 million. These people from Sacramento and St. Louis... Uh, are paying two hundred million a piece. What? And so, before we dive into the financial aspect of this, I wanted to ask each of you guys what you think about just the general idea of the MLS reaching thirty teams. Initial off the bat thought is thirty teams, more soccer in more cities, more opportunities for people to get involved and fall in love with the team. Initially, that's what I think. Okay. I agree with something like it's great, you know, spending everything. But at the same time, I feel like it saturates the talent pool what we're seeing a little bit. Thirty teams and all. It, it's a lot of players who maybe don't deserve to be in the league. I mean, again, I could be completely wrong. You're free to disagree with me, but no, but I think we're that's seeing, a valid. Yeah, even if like I think it, it is a valid concern. Right, even if it's right. just you know maybe it's not fully founded, but it is a valid concern. Exactly, it's a Premier League. I mean, one of the best leagues in the world. Some of those teams have players that just sit there and think, how the hell is he? In the, how the hell is he here? Yeah. Now you got 30 teams in the MLS. And granted, MLS isn't the best league in the world, but you're still going to look at some guys and think, gee, this is rough to watch. Well, especially when every time a new expansion club is added, they have the expansion draft, which exactly. essentially takes all of the talent in the MLS and basically puts it up for grabs mm-hmm. for the new teams. And so, of course, each team can protect a, a certain number of players, but, but essentially, good players do move. You know, our boy Greg Garza, when FC Cincinnati joined the league this past year, he got picked by FC, FC Cincinnati. So, despite That's the fact be that... That's kind of cool, though. Is it, it's though? Actually, it's endearing, I think. I don't That's know if I true. Like Is it, though? Your the team just won. The team, they, the team that you were on just said, hey, we don't want to protect you. Good luck. But but that's true. because you have to make a choice, right? So for for in the instance of Greg, like he just won an MLS Cup with Atlanta. You know yeah. what I mean? He had just been playing. He was an MLS All Star the year prior. Yeah, uh, he had been in Atlanta. Was loving Atlanta with our convert with our yeah episode. brand new stadium, brand new team. But I mean, he's moving to a brand new team again. So when we did our interview with Greg, we talked about how much he loved being part of Atlanta and that culture there. Just he fit there. Yep. Now all of a sudden, you know, really good players are going to other teams, and it does thin out the talent pool. Absolutely. It does mean that. 
in a way, you're like trying to give parity to the league, but it is a valid concern. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, because what if like, I mean, granted, you can, like you said, save people, but like Greg Garza, I'm sure there are fans from Atlanta that loved Greg Garza. And now, like when a new team comes into the fray, it's just like, well, hopefully my favorite player with my favorite jersey doesn't get traded to a new team. Yeah. yeah. And and of course, like that is just like the first year people will say and they yeah. eventually you can build up the talent, right? But I think it's a super valid concern. Yeah. I think it's it's a very it's something that's very understandable. The they do all that obviously they they put a team out there, but let's say some of the players weren't they didn't get from the draft. Some of the players they picked up through scouting locally, whatever whatever they did, you know what I mean? As There's a, a team, reason they, sorry. Yeah, as a team, they did all their best work. They put the exactly. talent behind you. They scouted right. him. They bre- they brought him up. Right. Let, let, let's, say they put, they, let's say they put out a team of eleven. Eight of those guys were the expansion draft. You would see them in the MLS four. You know they've been here. Three of those guys weren't. A part of me kind of feel like there's a reason those three guys weren't in this league already. You yeah. know what I mean? Those guys aren't top tier players. Those guys aren't players that were in this league for a reason. And again, maybe I'm, maybe I'm completely wrong. You guys disagree with me. Maybe it's nice to give these guys a chance, and maybe some of these guys will turn into stars by being given this chance. Which I, I guess that's also a fair point. Yeah, you know, it, if you're, it, it's a double-edged sword where it's kind of maybe these guys will be will be bred into stars because they're getting this chance finally, or maybe they'll completely sink and and show quickly they don't belong in this league. Right, and it, it's yeah, I think that's valid. I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. You know, th- sometimes it will help when a player right, just gets right, a change right. of scenery, but at the same time, maybe there's a reason they weren't protected. And mm-hmm. but then of course the team doesn't have to select them. But you know. That is an interesting point, but where I want to shift it to uh, is: Does thirty teams feel like too much for a soccer league? A little bit, yeah, yeah. When I, when I initially found I was going all the way up to thirty, I was kind of surprised. Yeah, because if you look at like a thirty-team league, like the NBA, right? They play eighty-two games. Mm-hmm. Thirty teams, and right now the MLS plays thirty-four games. Adding more teams, right? Either you're going to have to force these players to play a couple more games or you're going to lose out to other right. previous year's normal season games. You're starting to basically create a some weird differences within the right. league where you're not... Because, okay, so technically in, in most leagues around the world, the top tier, this is how it's structured. It's usually about 20 teams where each team will play the other team once home and once away. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a running table. That's how it is. In the MLS... Uh, it's very similar to that, but in reality, you play uh, teams in your conference more than you play the teams that are on the other conference. Makes sense. Um, but it, it is going to potentially add many more games a season. And how do you structure it where it doesn't become crazy? Because the reason soccer is that thing of playing home and away is because the home support does change the game. You know yes. what I mean? Like we, we've mentioned this yeah. for every fucking episode probably, but <laughs> home support matters. Your supporters matter. They're not just there to view the game. They're there to be a part of it. And so when all of a sudden you're changing that dynamic where now you have 30 teams and you have to try to find a way of making it, what's the most fair way to find out who our champion is? Uh, of course they have the playoffs, which is you know what they're probably going to continue doing, but it does change the 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 yeah. landscape of the game, and it kind of pushes us farther away from a potential promotion relegation. You know, especially now we just paid two hundred fucking million that's dollars, and now you're going to kick me it. out yeah. of the league if no, we that's suck a, that's a great on point. our first season. That's a great point. Right, and that is what a lot of people have been complaining about Which, because 
it's true. Like, who who's gonna want to? Who is going to pay two hundred million dollars and all of a sudden go? Oh, hey, buddy, sorry, your team sucked and you sucked as an owner. So now you have to go down. But then you're like, wait, but I already gave two hundred yeah, million dollars. Yeah, million. You're not gonna boot me like that. But people in the other parts of the world will say too fucking bad. You can look at all of the billionaire owners who have tried to take over clubs. That's true. Uh, Malaga is a club in Spain that at one point, a couple years back when they had Isco, were a Champions League team. They yeah. got a brand new owner from somewhere in Asia that he dumped a ton of money into that club. Today, they're in the second division of Spain. So, so in the rest of the world, it's too fucking bad. Yeah. You sucked running your team, so you suck. It's and true. that's how I feel it should be. But I guess what you could do is if they keep adding enough teams, they could just make a... MLS A division and B division. Oh my God. You literally hit on what I was going to bring up next. And it, I hate it. It makes me want to throw up. And it makes me want to cringe and cry. The, the way he came in with that. Oh my God. You can see the anger. Uh, so uh, Alexi Lalas, fucking fuck him, A. But B, tweeted it out uh, earlier this week. And a couple of you have been starting to pick up this this little idea. They're thinking that the MLS doesn't actually even want to stop at 30 teams. They're thinking that because this is such a cash grab for the MLS. Also, retracting real quick. Do you guys know how much money the MLS makes in revenue a year? No. I'm curious, though. Or I don't know if it's revenue or profit, but they make $400 million a year. Wow. So when a new team joins, they double their revenue. And now that both Sacramento and uh, St. Louis are joining, the league is going to be bringing in double the amount of money that they do from ticket sales, jersey sales, all of that. Yeah, holy shit. That's a shocking statement, Yeah, which I don't want to dive into right now because I do want to get back to what I was saying before. But Alexi Lawless has this idea, and people have been picking it up, that the MLS wants to keep expanding and eventually create like an MLS 1 and MLS 2, where in theory, because it's a closed system and they might do a promotion and relegation kind of thing, that's what people are thinking might happen. They might try to get to, let's say, like 38, 40 teams. And now they have MLS 1 or MLS 2, or like you said, MLS A and MLS B. But that's still a closed system. That's yeah. still something that is a bunch of that people. That doesn't let an average joke, like, you know, potentially, you know, potentially a Sunday league team could, in theory, reach all the way to the top. Which, you know, you know it, the likely happening. You know, SE yeah. Dons, dude. <laughs> it's, it's, Dons for life. It's not exactly. <laughs> Uh, it's not exactly going to happen. <laughs> no, but it, it's the ability of being able to do that. It's just giving you know? that dream, you yeah. know. And so, if they were to do this, um, oh, it would just be awful. Like it would just be a bunch of owners jerking each other off. Like, great, dude, you lost. You're down to Division <laughs> Two. Shout out Robert Kraft. <laughs> uh, uh. Um, and but I'm like scared for the league because I think that that might be where they're going with it. But yeah, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of that. That would not. That would not be good. It seems like a. Uh. It feels like they'd be appeasing to all of the people calling for promotion and relegation in America. They go, hey, but but we have promotion and relegation between League One and the first division. Second division. Like, yeah, but you're all. What you have to understand, the MLS isn't. They're not clubs. All of those are franchises. There's a reason the words are different. They're not yeah. interchangeable. They mean two different things. Yeah. It's like the same way that like right now the three of us could pool our money together and like buy a subway franchise. But technically, it's still a subway that's partially, you know, it's still part of subway. Yeah. So in the MLS, all of those clubs are essentially owned as a group by the same people. They're, it, it's like, like, they don't really compete. They're not necessarily... It'd be so cool to see it just dissolve and to see the creativity come out of some of these clubs, like these areas. I... See, I don't know if that'll happen because of oh, the way no, that the MLS happen. has a stranglehold on U.S. soccer. Unfortunately, is that the same as in like uh, like 
baseball and basketball and Pretty football. Much. It's all franchises. Yeah, they're all franchises. Yeah. Those club, those they're not clubs. Okay. They're I not something new today. Those teams aren't really allowed to operate independently. They have people in charge of the teams, yeah. but they can't make their own decisions necessarily. Right. They have to go through the league. They have to go through the commissioner. They, it's this. It's a weird thing that just like. It just doesn't make sense, in my opinion. But yeah. I guess for American sports fans, it does. And that's why, like football, you see people hate Roger Goodell a lot because, like, he's just yeah. Like when it comes to discipline, punishment, stuff like that, it obviously it all has to go through him. It has to go through the league office, and he's just so all over the place. And Which, stuff like that. funnily enough, a couple weeks back, an MLS player, Kaku, like from maybe where I'm sitting, where Brendan's sitting, we're probably four feet away from each other. They, this dude draw, like like grabbed a ball and pelted it at a supporter's like face or chest or whatever. Wow. This is an MLS player. He got two-game suspension for assaulting a fan with a ball. Wow. So just trying to connect some dots here, talking about Roger Goodell, bad yeah. disciplinary, whatever. Jeez. But so, But now on the flip side, though, right, where, you know, I'm not necessarily for expanding the MLS more, but I think that in America, we do need a bigger first division, unfortunately, because this country is massive. Yeah, well, yeah. I guess in yeah. terms of just like reaching people and like we don't have the type of fan base that Europe has. We need to realize the type of fan base we have. And because, you know, we don't have the ability to necessarily be traveling supporters. Like for you to take a like I took a bus from uh, Malaga to Madrid. That's six hours. You could do six hours if, like, you know, if, let's say, Malaga were back in La Liga. Like, as a supporter, you could wake up at 6 a.m., take a bus, be yeah. in Madrid by noon, the game's at 3, you watch the game, you go home, you're home by midnight. Yeah. People do that. People do that in every country in the world. But at the same time, these these countries are small. You know, Spain has 20 teams in La Liga because Spain's not that massive of a country. It's a big country. It's not yeah. massive. England, 20 teams in the top of the Prem, but England is not the world's biggest country. They're yeah. not massive countries. Yeah. In the States... You know, it's a massive country, and there are people who are underrepresented in the MLS. So I, from the idea of of a top division in the in America, it doesn't have to be the MLS, but the top division in America having thirty teams, despite a couple of of issues they'd have to work out in terms of playing a home and away game against everybody or whatever, I think that it's warranted because, you know, there's a lot of areas in America that are underserved. Um, you know, thinking like. Uh, like, imagine if a club in North Dakota, right? Like, like, <laughs> like, in a real open system, someone could just create a club in North Dakota and like yeah. build itself up. But true, like, true, you would want to have thirty teams in the top division because you'd be able to showcase soccer all across the country. Yeah. Versus yeah. being so maybe you stuck. might not be able to go to see a team in North Dakota. You could move, like, you could theoretically travel across. Yeah. You a, know, couple little, it, a couple states or like a state, you know, and like go see a team that you like. Yeah. It yeah. gives it more opportunity for our vast country to kind of go out and yeah. actually see a physical game. I, I, I never really thought the whole size comparison into it, as weird as that sounds, but Ooh, I never really thought. Size comparison. <laughs> like show you, me yours, you, I'll show you mine. <laughs> you think about it like, like EPL, like you said, England, whatever, not that, not that big. Spain, not that big. Germany, not that. Compared to the states, they're not that big. You know right. what I mean? We're massive compared to some of these other 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 those other countries. We're talking yeah, like about. an an instance of like a six hour drive could theoretically take you across an entire country. Yeah, or it'll or, take you midway through Texas. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It, Maybe. Maybe yeah. not even midway. Six hour drive from here, from where we are now. You can get to like straight. You're going to like Pennsylvania. I will say then? where we are, where the states are smaller, you can get places like yeah, yeah right, a right, six right. hour drive from Boston. You can get to Montreal, to New York City. 
Uh, probably Pennsylvania, I think. Probably. But now, if you're thinking like, but if you're in, if you're in Texas and you want to go see a game of state over, you're committing to a, maybe a ten hour commute. Like Texas yeah. is huge. Imagine if you live in Miami and you support Inter Miami, like six hour drive from Miami North. You're you. I don't even think you might not even hit Orlando. Like you might hit Orlando. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you just get to Orlando. you just get to Orlando. You can't which even. Is, you don't even leave the state. Which is like <laughs> you can see them play Orlando. Yeah. I'm excited that like there will be that kind of competition in Florida between Inter Miami and yeah, Florida, yeah for hopefully sure. you know what I mean. But at the same time, like if you're in Texas and you go driving six hours, you probably you're still in Texas. Yeah, you know what I mean. If you're in Houston and you drive six hours, you're still in Texas. Yeah. So. I think that, you know, a lot of people are, were so quick to react to being like, oh, why don't we just keep it at 20 teams is what everyone else is doing. It works for everybody. I'm like, but at the same time, even yeah, though it works bigger. for everybody, there are things that we do have to vary a little bit in the States yeah. when it comes to soccer because it's a massive country. And, you know, looking at the places now, like St. Louis, Missouri is going to get, uh, most likely going to get a MLS team. And that was an area that probably didn't have, I mean, they had the, the St. Louis team in the USL, which probably had a lot, which had a good, good, good amount of support. Um, and they're looking at Sacramento, which is a city that's a massive city. It's one of the yeah. biggest TV markets in, in the country. And like, you know, they were underserved. So I'm glad that they're getting one. It makes kind of sense. But I also just don't like the process of being given like yeah. a franchise or whatever. But I'm trying to take basically this whole conversation. I'm trying to remove the MLS from it to an extent where it's like if they weren't franchises and they were clubs, I think we should have 30 teams because it just it just makes more sense because the country's bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Good point there. Honestly, I was against it. From the beginning, you you swayed me a little bit, Louie. Good job today. Oh, thanks, man. Um, but then the question is, uh, you know, and especially when you compare it to other American uh, sport leagues, uh, it kind of makes sense, right? Like in the NBA, you have thirty teams. In the NFL, you have thirty-two. Yeah. NHL's trying to get to thirty, or trying I to get thirty-two. So. They're about it. I think they're trying to go yeah. to thirty-two. And so, don't you know, quote me on that, but I think I think that's right. Right, and so. At least on a on a on a logistical standpoint, it kind of makes sense as to getting up to thirty two because everyone else has kind of done that. It's not out of the realm of, of understanding in the states to have thirty teams. Um, I'm just worried that the pe- like people think, oh, we have thirty teams, we don't need more teams. But no, that's not the point. The point is that like having a closed system doesn't breed good soccer. It creates complacency and allows shitty owners like Robert Kraft to spend more time in weird fucking massage parlors than he does (laughs) than he does in the boardroom of his own soccer club um sorry soccer franchise i apologize Uh, and so one interesting thing about this is that in the mls there are three canadian franchises right you have toronto fc montreal impact and the vancouver whitecaps it's kind of funny to me that the mls was way happier about giving Canadian uh, Canadian cities franchises than they were to give American cities franchises. And I can kind of get it. Every other American sport has teams in Canada. Mm-hmm. I think it was started by the NHL because back yeah. then I think the only people who played hockey were the, the northern cities yeah. and the, sure the like, Canadian cities. Two of the original eight were I think Canadian three maybe, teams. if I'm not mistaken. Three? I don't, I don't know anything about hockey. Yeah, so I mean, I, I know The Canadians and Maple Leafs, I'm pretty sure, were two of the original eight. And wasn't there? Oh, and the Senators were well, they were recent, more recent from Ottawa. But um, yeah. I th- I think that's yeah. Right. But then you know other like the NBA adopted it, but the NFL never did. The NFL was just completely because the CFL yeah. has their own yeah. thing, which yeah, is interesting. They, but they the NBA theirs. back in the nineties expanded to both Toronto and Vancouver. Mm-hmm. But then Vancouver moved to Memphis and became yep. the Grizzlies, yep. the Memphis Grizzlies, and now the only one that remains is Toronto. Um, but so as kind of a lead into next week's episode, um. 
it's going to be interesting to see what happens because the Canadian Premier League actually just kicked off this past weekend. Yes. It is a top division for Canada. Uh, that Canada hasn't have a top division soccer league since 92. So this is kind of major for them. And um, what's interesting about the MLS going forward is what's going to happen with these Canadian franchises. And it's something that we should all keep an eye on because, you know, yeah, they're part of the MLS. And based on the way that the franchise exists, if these guys wanted to break off and join the Canadian football or the Canadian Premier League, they kind of can't because yeah. they bought a franchise. They didn't buy a club. They didn't yeah. own a club. And so it's going to create something really weird because let's say the Canadian Premier League blows up. It becomes one of the most popular leagues in the world. All of a sudden, you have three three franchises in, in located in Canada, the Montreal Impact, Toronto uh, FC, and Vancouver, who they were here before the Canadian Premier League was, but all of a sudden, their other Canadian brethren are probably doing way better than they are. Yeah. And it's going to create this weird thing of like, do they leave and join the Canadian Premier League? Can they? Is it a possibility? Right now, it's not, but it'll be an interesting thing to look out for. You know, I kind of hope that happens now. That'd be funny to see it go down. It would. It would it'd be funny to see how the MLS would react to that. But kind of doing a little recap of the pros and cons of the MLS basically becoming the largest league in the world for the first division. You know, I think the pros are, you know, more people get to experience soccer across the U.S. Like B said, it does spread the the sport further geographically. Yep, yep. So that is important because it gets more people involved with the sport. I mean, you know, I can shit on how the MLS does things, but... When you see club, uh, fran- I keep fucking saying clubs. I'm sorry. When you see franchises like FC Cincinnati and Atlanta United come into the league and really build this amazing fan base around it, even Minnesota, yeah, Minnesota's been around for a little while, but they just launched, they just opened their stadium and they've been full. I think the two games they've had there, they've been super full, and it looks yeah. like the people in Minnesota really love that stadium. It's downtown uh, for them. It's easy to get to, and it's a beautiful modern uh, soccer specific stadium, but. You know, I can shit on how the MLS runs the league, but at the same time, what I can't do is talk about what it means to the people in those cities. For them, it doesn't matter. They're supporting the franchise they love, and it, it, it is a show of love, you know? So spreading out the league a little bit more to other parts of the country that have a love for soccer, I like that idea. I like the ability of, like, let's get to 30 teams so we can further the sport geographically. Um, of course, that'll hopefully grow the game overall because that'll mean more competition. Yeah. But like I said, it does thin out the talent. Mm-hmm. So at least in the beginning, it will be weird, especially because of how rapidly the MLS has expanded over the past couple of years. It's been interesting. I feel like it could also make the league a little bit more attractive from an outside perspective because now there's more cities for you to kind of not choose from because the way the MLS does weird shit. If you're you're a player from Europe and wants to come play in the MLS, you actually have no say in where you go. The MLS has a weird lottery system where they decide which team gets you. As weird as that sounds. Huh. It's I bet, so I bet some other players though might have a little bit more of a. Well, that's different. Ibrahimovic can go. I'm uh, not playing anywhere other than the best market. So I he do goes not to the play galaxy. on turf. No, I don't play on yeah, turf. Yeah, no turf, no turf. Also, me. recently he said that he is the MLS, which is kind of that cool. was a funny comment, honestly. <laughs> and he's not wrong. I'm not gonna lie. No. Yeah, the MLS might, might find me for this, but I am the MLS. Yeah. Um. But anyway, I, I think it could, in theory, make the the league a little bit more attractive. Um. But at the same time. You know, more teams mean more games. How do you keep it consistent? How do you prevent injuries? All of a sudden, you're going to be playing so many more regular season games just to then have the playoffs. You look yeah. at you look at players in a in in Europe. Those leagues last 38 games. Of course, a lot of uh, they're playing they're playing cup competitions, which we also have here in the states. So we do have cup competitions here, the U.S. Open Cup, and some teams play in the Concacaf Champions League. But you know, 
38 games a year in a league is already a lot. If you're going to get to 30-something teams in the MLS, you're going to be playing probably north of 40 games a yeah. season. Not to mention, that's pre-playoffs. So then playoffs come around, and all of a sudden you have to do more. And we've been seeing it with this year. The MLS has been putting a lot of Wednesday night games in between having to play two games each week. Like one weekend you play a game, and then on Wednesday you play another game, and then on the weekend you play yeah. another game. Like that schedule congestion for teams is going to be absolute mm. hell unless they can find a yeah. way of making it more doable. Right. Especially for players who aren't used to it, it's going to lead to injuries, fatigue. It's just a lot of problems for them. And especially when half of these uh, stadiums have fucking turf. Yeah, you, players are going to have to go from playing on potentially grass one week to turf the next three days later to then go back to grass and then go to yeah. turf again. People might think, oh, but it's just it's just what they're running on. It changes how your joints act. It turf fucks up your knees and ankles. Yeah, it's badly. proven because yep. it's just the way that you're. It's not a natural surface where you're bouncing like you're not running on it the way you run on grass. It like really causes havoc on your knees and ankles and like all of your joints. Mm-hmm. So that, it changes the way you play. Like, oh, Passing a ball, controlling a ball, it completely reacts different from grass and turf. Like if, if I send a long ball, it takes a bounce before it gets to the guy. The bounce takes off the turf is not the same it takes off of grass. No, on grass the ball might stop and slow down. On turf, the it, ball is gonna bounce it's gonna and it's spring, gonna yeah. it's gonna spring. It's gonna trampoline right at you. And not to <laughs> mention, you know, if a little bit of rain falls on any turf, it, it just completely changes the game. Yeah. So of course that's a whole separate issue to it. But <laughs> it, it's it is important to know because, you know, it's going to be a problem. The schedule yeah, congestion is, is going to be a problem. Big and time. when it comes to the playoffs, I would almost be like, hey, man, if you're going to get to 30 teams, eliminate the playoffs. But I know they won't ever do that. No, they won't. They want to... Because playoffs are where they draw most of their, their viewers and attention, like per game, per game basis. You know sure, I mean? because they put the importance on the playoffs. Because exactly. like we said, regular exactly. season doesn't really matter. As long as you're in the top eight, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. So... What I'm thinking is, it, 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 I would love it if they got to 30 teams personally, but as long as they got rid of playoffs and found a way where, okay, if you're playing 45 games, cool, as long as it's out, there's no playoffs. Do a round-robin no, system, yeah. and then that way, every, it's, it's fair, and make you can the, find a way of doing make it. Make every single game count. True. I think that's one thing that's really missing, mm-hmm. but you know, that's just my personal perspective. Um... But yeah, any other thoughts, guys, on uh, on the MLS expanding to thirty teams and potentially beyond? I should note. Hmm. Well, you get to forty. Why not? At this yeah, point, just send it. Give me that A and B division. <laughs> no, you really don't want that, do you? No. Okay. You sounded a little too optimistic about it. I want to just make sure. I'm, I'm optimistic about a lot it. of things. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for that double this this season, you know. <laughs> We'll hoist both the Champions League. It's one and thing to be league. optimistic oh, and another thing to be delusional, Brendan. Uh, I dabble in both. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? That's the right way to do it. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. One other thing that I forgot to mention um, that I think actually kind of, it ties into the whole aspect of like, by spreading the game a little bit further out into the country, because we talk so much about how the culture permeates through each, cl- uh, each franchise and each city naturally, or it should, I think by expanding to 30 or so teams, like you give more opportunity of that local culture of each city trying to seep through uh, into each game, like any each game day experience. You know mm. what I mean? Like in Atlanta, big into hip hop. Like we see right, how right. important it was for the, for Atlanta United to embrace the city, embrace the way that they enjoy life down there and bring it to their soccer yeah. 
Uh, they, they had two chains at games. Let's be they honest. Still have two chains at games. Yeah, he still goes. It's Wale <laughs> goes. Waka Flocka's at every single game. Apparently, I forgot Wale was there too. Waka Waka Flocka I knew was big into it. And so when you you know, I'm thinking in terms of like Nashville, right? Once they when they join the league in the next two years, that's a chance for them to instill that almost like that country music, that fun loving atmosphere into the MLS and into that franchise and make it more unique, which makes it stand out. You want your club to be unique. You want your club to stand out and represent something and represent the city that you where it's from, yeah. you know. And so by having more clubs, it gives more opportunities for that. But it always comes down to the the quote unquote ownership of each franchise and trying to really instill that because we see that it's not that easy to build a a soccer culture in the States. You know, you have clubs that excel at it and you have clubs mostly in Texas who can't sell a single ticket. I mean, mind you, the Revs can't sell tickets either. So it's like, (laughs) you know, there's a lot of franchises in the MLS who can't, who don't know how to build the culture. So it's almost weird. Like you currently have a situation where the league currently has what, 24 teams. I think we have for this season. Um, And, I, I want to say five or six of those franchises pull in good enough numbers. Yeah. The rest of the league is floundering. You know what I mean? Like you, you currently have the, you have LAFC, sometimes the galaxy. Now that the Ibrahimovic is there, they've been yeah. doing pretty well. Portland, Seattle, Atlanta, FC Cincinnati. And then I guess now Minnesota is doing all right, but it's too early to tell with them. But for the most part, everyone else is kind of floundering in attendance numbers. Like yeah. big time. Some big stats have been coming out about New York, New York State. They're the biggest soccer uh, and television market in the country, yet neither the Red Bull nor the New York City FC can really pull in numbers. We talked about this on our last episode, yeah, uh, but it's weird, man. This is the biggest city almost in the world, too, and yet you can't get people to a game. Like, huh. it's weird. The whole point of that was to just kind of talk about how, you know, expanding to 30-something teams is great, but uh, you really have to, it comes down to each individual ownership to build that culture. We can't expect that just because we're going to get to 30 teams, it's going to become natural. Oh my God, because we have a team in, uh, the 40th team was just uh, uh, awarded to Anchorage, Alaska. Like, you can't expect that to build a culture. Oh yeah, we're we're, we're in every state in the country, yay. But that doesn't mean anything if you don't take the time to build that culture at the ground level. So again, I think this is probably a good place to end on this note is that great get it to 30 teams mm-hmm. if possible but make sure that you're actually building a real soccer franchise don't yes. just do it as a money grab because you just spent 200 million and go up oh, you know that's my investment leave it alone <laughs> the way that robert Kraft does you know what i'm saying like you gotta build this up make yeah. the people want to be a part of it follow the example by fc cincinnati and atlanta like they're killing it just follow their model and you should be okay Credit to you for dropping an Anchorage, Alaska reference, too. Yeah, man. I, yeah, I wasn't expecting it. You never know. <laughs> Didn't even know where Slipped it came that from. Slipped right in there. Like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, if you're... God, this is going to be a shot in the dark. If there's anybody who's ever lis- who ever listens to the podcast from Alaska and loves soccer, can you please send us a DM? Like, I yeah, want to talk to you. reach out to us. <laughs> we got questions for you. Yeah, like, how do you support a club when you're, like, seven time zones away from anything? <laughs> Like what? I, I want to know what it's like if you're a soccer fan in Alaska. Do I feel you like we sleep could do in a- sunlight? I have a lot of questions. Yeah, about just can, soccer can we? Oh my god, let's do a podcast interview with someone from Alaska. I really want to. <laughs> That'd be like sick. Bring them on in. So, what do we think? Thirty teams? Too much? Too few? Is Alaska gonna get a team? <laughs> you never know. <laughs> I hope so. As always, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. <laughs>